And let me ask you a question just to get everything, just get the juices flowing in your brain. Here's the question. What is a good reason for you to come to church? What is a good reason for you to come to church? Now, tw- try, try not to be just really general about it, like, uh, because God says so. Well, you know, sure. If God says so, he probably has a reason behind it. So that's what I'm looking for. Or because Jesus is here, well, sure. Uh, technically, he's elsewhere as well, but, you know. But, but try to be specific. What is a good reason for you to come to church? Now, many of you are thinking, oh, now you ask me, where were you at 7 a.m. when the alarm went off? No, you're here, so presumably you have a reason. I just want you to be conscious of what it is. What's a good reason for you to come to church? I'm gonna give you 20 full seconds to consider, go. All right, time's up, that's enough genius. What's a good reason for you to come to church? Who has, an, who has a, a decent answer? Yeah, Joe. It's a spiritual exercise. That's a very interesting answer. Uh, you could unpack that a little bit. You're exercising something that's important and spiritual. I like that, I like that. James? Touch God's heart and bless him. To touch God's heart and bless him. You show up so that you can give a little something to God and, and improve his week. And, and, you know, bl- bless his heart. Sure, absolutely. Some other good, good responses? Because I'll choose. Yes, ma'am. Because we need community. We're not meant to do this alone. So you come together and you kind of develop a posse. You develop a tribe. And that's super, super helpful for people who are walking through the world in an unusual fashion. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a great answer. We need community. And this is the best we can do, you know. Uh, who else? There's another hand up. Robin. Access power for healing. Uh, sure, access power inherent in the, in the community of God's people for healing. Fantastic, fantastic. Who else? We'll take one more and it will be the best. Way in the back, Terry. To worship corporately. Why is it good to worship corporately? Why is it good to worship together? More power, sure, I will accept that. More power and, uh, and more volume. And uh, there'll at least be some people who can carry a tune which helps those of us who can't. Uh, worship musically, and of course music isn't the only way we worship. Uh, any time we honor God and give him place, that's a sort of worship. Um, all, all really good reasons. I, j- I just like to think of that every once in a while, even, you know, I, I'm like legally obligated to come to church, but um, it's nice to rehearse reasons why, mostly as an exercise of focus and purpose and you know, staying on point. The Bible describes church as sort of a, a this marvelous organism. You know, it calls it a body. Uh, this organism of purpose and mutual strengthening and many of your answers um, recognize that. My favorite passage in scripture about what the church does when it meets uh, comes from the, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, in particular, Corinthians chapter uh, 12 and 14. You could throw 13 there in the middle of it, which is all about loving uh, each other well. Um, when we come together, everybody brings game. Everybody brings something to share and offer. It's like, it's like a, a, a spiritual calabash, a, a spiritual potluck. Everybody brings something uh, to the table. And in sharing, we all become better people. 
uh, we all become stronger people. One thing that we can do uh, together especially is that we can listen to God together. And that turns out to be uh, one of the huge exercises, one of the huge spiritual exercises that the Bible recommends. From 1 Corinthians 14, a passage on the back of your program, it'll also be up here on the big board. Um, this, is, this is Paul talking to the church in Corinth about this ministry called prophecy, which literally just means truth-telling or, or revelation, uh, the ministry of bringing the revelation of God to one another in church. If all prophesy, he says, and let's say an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, then he is convinced by all. He is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. The thing that draws people to the church is the experience of the voice of God in that church. And if a person has a real, legitimate, and authentic experience of God speaking in a church meeting, well, that's, that's convincing, Paul says. That's, that's convicting. That teaches uh, the visitor something not just about God, but Paul says about his own heart. A super valuable experience. The church should be the place of God's voice. Uh, uh, as Paul says it, that's one of the primary things that the church is. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, which is a, a sort of a song, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification, a fancy word that means for building each other up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or three at the most, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to self and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge uh, what's being said. But if, anyone is, but if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent for you can all prophesy one by one and all may learn and all may be encouraged and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets for God is not the author of confusion but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. We're kind of jumping into that passage midway, but it's clear that in Paul's version of the church, it's not just like a, the senior pastor who does the ministry. Everybody brings something. You bring a song, uh, you bring a, a, a tongue, which is a, a sort of a supernatural exercise, or you bring a revelation to share with somebody, and you do it publicly, and everybody listens to what you say and, and confirms it and helps you process it, it's an act of experiencing God together. And that's really what church should be about. And that's why Blue Water Mission does prophecy services. It's the practice of listening to God's voice together. I am told by authorities in my life that conversation is the basis of good relationship. As an introvert, that's challenging to me. Uh, as a follower of Jesus, uh, that's challenging to me. Uh, but I, I dare say that being guided by God in real time, developing the skill of listening to God speaking to you is a big part of following God generally because he wants relationship with us and there's no relationship without communication. God is constantly communicating. Uh, I would say that scripture, the Bible, is sort of the foundation of my life. That's my bedrock, the revelation that's in the scripture. 
but prophecy, God speaking to me directly in real time, uh, is responsible for the shape of my life. That's how I make the choices that I make oftentimes. Some examples for my life. Last week I was gone. I, was, uh, I wasn't at church. Did anybody notice? Yeah, I think, I think people notice less and less when I'm not here. But Sony and I went to Chicago for the 20th anniversary of a, of a church that we helped plant on the south side of Chicago when I was in grad school. And some of you already know this story, the way the, way the church was planted. I know I'm going to screw up this, this story, honey, but sorry. Um, we uh, were on the south side of Chicago in a neighborhood that at that time was really spiritually dead. And my wife, Sonia, had a dream in which there was this plant growing up from the floor in our living room, in our apartment. And, and from that plant, uh, several other plants were sprouted and, and, and transported to other places around Chicago and other, other places uh, around, around uh, the region. And, and she woke up from that and said, oh, I think God is planting a ministry in our living room. We better, we better start a Bible study. We better start a small group, what at this church we call Ohana Groups. Uh, so we did that, and it grew. It grew in such a way that it became a church that is still there to this day, 20 years later, doing great, um, just really helping to, to minister uh, to that whole section of the city. It's, it's really a, a beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, but, but as per the dream, uh, that little Bible study that we sh- started, the first eight or ten people that started that Bible study, went from there and, and planted... Uh, we think it's seven different churches now around the world. Uh, so it's a really good Bible study. Um, my point about that is we did it because Sonia had the dream. And she could have just rolled over and gone back to sleep, right? And not noticed. But she thought, I think this is a dream from the Lord. I think this is a prophecy. And that completely shaped our lives. And indeed has gone on to shape the lives of, well, you know, hundreds, thousands of people now if you count all the different church plants that has sprung from the Bible. That's a pretty good revelation right there, right? But she could have missed it entirely. She woke me up. She said, hey, I think I had a dream. We interpreted it together. We shared that moment. And as a result, we're, we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of, of churches. Sure, yeah. Uh, the name of this church, Blue Water Mission, came from some prophetic words uh, from a dream uh, that I had in particular. And, and, and that idea of Blue Water Mission has shaped the culture of the church. We're supposed to be in the blue water, not the, not the shallow green water. We're supposed to be out far and in deep with God. And that has really shaped a lot of our lives. I think of, of Brian's testimony. He stood up here. This is the second anniversary of him coming to Blue Water. He came. Uh, the Lord knew that he was hurting. In that service, he received three prophetic words from people. You know, he encountered the voice of the Lord in the body of Christ. And as a result, that brought tremendous healing uh, to his life. And now he has gone on and become one who, sh- who shares uh, the exercise of listening to the voice of God with other people in this ministry called Sozo, which I would definitely encourage you uh, to get involved with uh, if you're in a hurting or confused place, uh, as Brian was uh, Antonio mentioned that every week we have these Ohana groups, that every Ohana group that, that we do, Ohana groups are, are uh, midweek meetings. We meet together in homes or in offices, sometimes in parks. Uh, and we just sort of fellowship together and we practice being the body of Christ together every week, you know, in groups of, you know, 
8, 15, 20, 25, whatever it is. And one of the things that you see at every Ohana group meeting is that we get into a circle. We call it a mush pot. And we throw somebody in the middle and the people around the outside pray for that person. We call it a mush pot because it feels a little bit like throw, being thrown into the middle of a pot. Uh, but everybody just prays and blesses you and listens to God for you. And it's an exercise of experiencing the living here and now voice of God uh, in our lives together. And that can change your life, that can shape your life, that can bring healing to your life. Here's how prophecy works. A few tips, and then we're just going to go into an extended time of prophetic ministry. Uh, rules of the road for listening to the voice of God together. Uh, first thing I'd say is that prophecy, getting a revelation from the Spirit of God, it's easy to receive, it's harder to understand, and it's harder still to apply. I think God is speaking all the time, so it's pretty easy to kind of pick up an impression from the Holy Spirit. Uh, but, but, but God speaks in mysterious ways sometimes. He, he typically doesn't just show up bodily and hand you an essay. Uh, it can be a little bit more mysterious than that. I mean, sometimes uh, he speaks, we, in, in the Bible we read, sometimes he speaks in a dream. I told a story about a dream. Sometimes he speaks through another person. You'll see some of that this morning, as Brian experienced a couple of years ago. Sometimes he speaks in a, in a vision that passes through your head. Sometimes an angel shows up and talks to you, like the angel Gabriel coming to, to Mary. How many of you have had an angel show up and speak to you this week? Okay, but it happens. It happens. And if it does, call me. Um, Sometimes you go up on top of a mountain and the Lord uh, speaks to you out of smoke or fire or something like that if your name happens to be Moses. The Lord can speak in a whole bunches of, of different ways, but usually it's pretty subtle. Usually it's pretty subtle, and so you have to incline yourself to hear it. Why does God do it that way? Well, because I think the Lord isn't just interested in communicating information. The Lord is interested in cultivating in us an inclination. We have to lean in. We have to try if we're going to pick up on what the Lord is saying. And that's really helpful to us in developing as people. We need to go through the world of chaos with one ear open to the Lord at all times. And that shapes your soul. That cultivates faith and purposefulness in your life. And you can get better at that over time. Uh, but I think that's why the Lord does it as he does. Sometimes he speaks symbolically, like, you know, he spoke in a dream. There's a picture of a tree being planted and offshoots of the tree being planted elsewhere. Well, that's a symbol, isn't it? Why does the Lord speak symbolically instead of plainly? Well, sometimes he speaks plainly, but often he'll speak symbolically. Why? Well, then it's because we have to follow up with him. We have to ask him what it means. We have to grow in understanding the alphabet, the language that he uses with us. And all of that cultivates deeper conversation and further relationship. I don't quite understand what you're saying. Why don't you explain it to me, God? Let's spend some time together and you can teach me what your voice sounds like and, and what your symbols mean. And if you do that, you are inclining yourself to the Lord even more. And in a world of chaos, that's a really, really useful uh, development. It can be hard to apply prophecies because the Lord has a knack for telling us exactly what's going to happen in such a way that when it happens, we're totally surprised. 
We see that a lot in Scripture. The birth of Christ was prophesied literally hundreds of times in the, New, in the Old Testament, but when Christ was actually born, virtually everyone on earth missed it. The only ones who caught it were some foreign astrologers in Persia, the Magi. Why did they catch it? It's because they were watching. They were inclining themselves to listen, you know? So the Lord's had a way of speaking that requires us to listen. And, and sometimes the Lord tells us something so that it confirms what we already know to be true. There is no guarantee when the Lord speaks prophetically. There is only an invitation to faith and inclination. But the most basic thing I want us to understand about prophecy is that the Lord is always talking. He is a chatty fellow. He is apparently extroverted. He apparently likes people. I do not understand this about him, but as I say, he is a mysterious God. Um, he's into relationship, and he's chatting all the time. It is just incumbent upon us to listen. Every prophecy you receive, including the prophecies that you may or may not receive today from the prophets, is an invitation to faith. There will always be an element having to do with whether or not you trust what the Lord is saying to you. The people who will be sharing prophecies this morning are entirely fallible. They're not entirely 100% sure that what they're saying is accurate. As we say around Blue Water, failure is an option. But we try honestly. We try honestly. And we've changed a lot of lives doing that. But there will always be some faith required. Uh, because we live in the age of the Holy Spirit in which, as Paul says, Prophets can work together. One will speak while two or three sit quietly and, and sift through what's being said. Because we live in an age where everybody can hear from God directly for himself or herself, we can confirm what the Lord is saying. So if one of the prophets speaks to you today and says, you really need to be a missionary to the Congo, buy a plane ticket this week, don't do it unless seven or eight other people confirm it independently. Because in the age in which we live, God can certainly bring you confirmation. So, so some of you who may receive a word today should receive it in the spirit of, well, I'm going to put that on file and, and pray it through with, the, with God or go to my Ohana group and let other people weigh in on it prophetically and see if the conversation develops. Because this is all about having a conversation with God. If somebody says something to you this morning that just sounds completely wrong, then you throw it in the wastebasket on the way out and don't think about it again unless the Lord brings it up on some later date through some other person. You are the judge of whether it's accurate or helpful. You don't have to accept anything. That's not how this works. We work together uh, in, in the body of Christ. In life, there's always a moment in which um, you have to ask yourself whether you trust it's God or not. Is that God or not? Is God real or not? Is love real or not? And prophecy is just another example where you have to decide for yourself how much to trust, how much to lean in, how much to incline. Everybody got it? What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray now that God speaks to you directly where you sit in the chairs. Um, because the Lord is chatty, and hearing His voice is something that, uh, that we all should be able to do at one time or another. And then we have a group of people who are particularly gifted 
in hearing the voice of the Lord on behalf of other people, and they're going to get up here, and they're going to minister over the crowd, and maybe ask some of you individually to stand up and to receive a word from the Lord. Uh, it would work wonderfully well if what they say is something that you've already heard directly from God yourself, because then that would be confirmation. Uh, but whether you receive a word from one of the prophetically gifted people this morning or not, I would really want everybody to walk away with a sense of having heard the voice of God in some fashion. So let's pray for that. Holy Spirit, speak. Your children are listening. I pray, Lord, for impressions and visions, words, feelings that are going to guide our souls. Speak to every individual here. In Jesus' name, we wait for you, Lord. Father God, I pray that whatever uh, is from you, uh, you would instill in our hearts. Uh, whatever misses the mark, I pray that you just graciously remove. Uh, build up your body constantly. Hear your voice and to go forward. In the world of chaos, Lord, I pray that we would bring order and health and intimacy with you. In Jesus' name.